Travel post-COVID, that's a hot, hot, hot topic. We are all dying to travel, and that is what we are talking about this week. And I have two brilliant travel spokeswomen with me today, and I can't wait to hear what they are going to tell us. I'm going to allow them to introduce themselves, but we have Tamara Lorne of Mr. and Mrs. Smith and Emma Harding of Scott Ideas. Tamara, tell us about yourself. Oh, hi, and thanks so much for putting this together. It's great. I'm looking forward to it. More and more these days, I want more conversations about where travel is going and kind of future thinking and less about kind of where we've come from, if you see what I mean. Um, I've spent so many conversations talking about, you know, how we started the company and, you know, the, the, the history behind it and the conversations that are coming out in travel right now feel like the right ones, finally. I'm the founder uh, with my husband of Mr. and Mrs. Smith, which is a travel club for boutique hotel lovers around the world. Wonderful. We're such huge fans. Uh, Emma, tell us about yourself. Hi. Yeah, I'm Emma. I am the CEO of Scott Ideas. Um, Thank you very much for having me today. We are a brand building agency um, working predominantly with founder-led businesses um, across a lot of different industries and silos. Um, But one of those industries is quite a lot of travel in there. And very much sort of agreeing with Tamara is I think it's really, really exciting. We've come to this junction where um, I think travel is is about to change for the better or it could change for the better. So looking forward to um, this conversation today. So Tamara, I want to ask you first. Your your work revolves entirely is immersed in travel. What has this last year looked like for you? Wow. Um, Gosh, I I mean, every business in hospitality, events, travel, all the fun stuff basically has been killed, right? (laughs) It's been it's been so horrendous. I think that, you know, the saddest part of it was hearing from our smaller hotels because we're very much in the boutique niche space you know we're dealing with small hotels often owner run often they are the center of a community or of a village they employ most of the you know families around them the the villages around them rely on them for their livelihoods and so I think those were the stories that for me were so heartbreaking was you know hearing about these communities kind of shutting down and um, and that's been the, the kind of tragedy of it and I think it's incumbent on us as kind of travel uh, companies and people who promote travel to really once you know it's safe to do so to really encourage people to come back and to get that money flowing back into these these communities around the world and get those economies started again um, in in a responsible way mm-hmm. um, so for us as a business it's been you know obviously it was just devastating it was unlike retail if you think about a retail shop uh, so covid happened you had to shut the shop you, you you may be selling online but through the shop you're not getting any more revenues in so that's kind of zero revenues from then on with a travel company it's worse than that because not only did you have no revenues coming in at all but you had to unwind all the bookings that you'd marketed spent money on you know sold over the last six months for the forward year so all those cancellations and the money kind of literally going out of the business um which is why it was so devastating for for travel in particular and you know every company around the world just floundered at that point and went what is going on because generally as a 
as a travel industry, we are very, very resilient. We deal with disasters and issues around the world all of the time. We're a global company. So when uh, a volcano erupts and, you know, the flights can't go out of certain countries, when there's an act of terrorism in a certain city, when there's flooding in a certain area, you know, we adapt, we move people, we get them from one hotel to the other, we move people around the world. And we are extremely resilient to that. If there's a recession in, an, in one country, you know, another country is booming. But this, to have it happened the world around, you know, was just such a, you know, such a big thing. And so us, for us as a business, we had to very much cut costs, get rid of all our offices um, and, and really knuckle down and and think about, you know, what we could do to survive. And I'm so happy now that we're in the, okay, shifting our thinking from what do we do to survive to what do we do to thrive, you know, in the coming months as travel starts to return. But, you know, boy, it's been a really tough year and, and, and you know, really tough year on our employees. Certainly thriving mode is much better than survival mode. And it was so, I mean, I'm, my family's in the hotel industry, so I completely understand, you know, the opening, the closing, I know just coming up to Christmas when you were building up and it was just brilliant and flying and then suddenly you're closed and you have to cancel and refund everything. It's awful and traumatic in so many levels. Yeah. But good, I'm very glad to hear that you're in thrive mode now, which is wonderful. <laughs> so in the UK, international travel for leisure is banned. What's it like in New York, Emma? And how's work been for you the past year? So I, I should sort of preface this with, I actually got stuck in the UK last year. Um, so I had COVID at the beginning of March. Um, I think I actually picked it up in New Orleans um, and was meant to meant to come home for a work trip. And in the UK, the, the rumblings of COVID started earlier in the UK. So I postponed that trip. And then, um, and then at the end of March, my mum called me and she said, you know, if, if you're going into lockdown, are you sure New York is where you want to be? So I said, like, oh, yeah, you've got a good point. You know, I live in a small apartment here and um, there's not a huge amount of opportunity to get out and see space. Um, so I got on a flight, um, having recovered, and, and went home with a carry-on suitcase thinking that I would be in the UK for a few weeks. Um, and I got stuck there for 10 months. Um, living out of a suitcase, sofa surfing between, well, I mean, thankfully I've got a bed at home, but going to the in-laws, my husband spent 10 months pretty much with my family. Um, so he needs a bit of a pat on the back, but, um, yeah, it's, it was, it was tricky. It was tough. Um, but we managed to get what is called an NIE, which is a national interest exemption, um, in January. And we flew back, um, on the 5th of January and we've been here ever since. And a, it's just so wonderful to be home and amongst your own things and, you know, just small things like clothes and, and your fridge. Um, but New York is, it's definitely picking back up. It was quiet when we arrived and the energy of New York had slightly dissipated, but the sun is coming out, um, it's getting warmer and New York is, it, it's coming back. Um, which is just wonderful to wonderful to hear, and what I think is so special about the city is this energy, and 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 yeah, that is growing for sure. Good, I'm so glad to hear New York is coming back. It's it's New York, so it that's wonderful. It is. Glad you, got that <laughs> um, you penned a really beautiful piece last year, Emma, a promise to the new world. For those who haven't read it, I highly recommend. What do you see this new world consisting of? 
Well, I think that shifted, if I'm honest, um, because in April, May, so when we were in the UK, um, anyone in the UK will, I'm sure, remember, but we had the most glorious weather. And um, we were spending all our time outside, and I guess we didn't, a slight naivety, I guess, to it, because we didn't know how long we were going to be there for. And this amazing sunshine came, and everyone was talking about the bird song, how loud it was, how clear the skies were, how quiet the skies were without the planes going over. And there was this real sense of people reappreciating the very truest sense of nature. But on the other side of that, exactly as sort of Tamara has said, is that, you know, the hospitality industry, the restaurants, people, brands, were all desperately asking for help on social media, you know, whether it was buying vouchers, whether it was pre-booking a trip for travel in due course so that they could get some sort of revenue coming in. I guess because we straddle a few industries, but, you know, I'm particularly, I grew, I grew up around the world, I'm an expat child, um, you know, I had this real connection and sense to travel. I wanted to do something, but I didn't have the platform to do, you know, I don't have a huge Instagram account or anything like that, but I wanted to help however I could. So um, I asked a collection of friends and tastemakers, so those with the voices and the platforms, to make this sustainable pledge to the future, this sort of non-COVID world, um, a promise to commit to something and carry that through into the post-pandemic life that we will be living. So everyone um, penned a very beautiful a pledge and a commitment. And it's it's amazing the response to it, actually. And I, I felt um, very proud of it when it first came out. My challenge or concern with it now is that the, the pandemic has been going on for so long that I don't, I think people are just so ready to charge straight out that door that perhaps those promises can't quite be kept in the same way. Um, and I think that's where this cross, this, this this junction can come into play because there is an opportunity to really harness a beautiful new world of travel versus one that was potentially detrimental before. Revenge travel, they're calling it. <laughs> but actually what, what I'm seeing in the numbers and the people who are booking uh, is definitely a more conscious consumer. So uh, even in the numbers, the, our average length of stay is up. So people are staying longer, which means they will get more out of a destination. There's lots of twinning destinations. So they're going deeper into a country, which again will help the economy and spread the, the money throughout the countries that they're visiting. I'm also really excited by this idea of moving away from where I think where we'd got to, which was fast travel, a bit like fast fashion and fast food, um, where, you know, people jumping into a country for a quick, like one day, two day break and coming out again and actually extending that. And if you look at travel as a whole, it's not all about leisure. It's the business trip as well and I know I was guilty of you know coming into New York to see people in our office very you know quickly coming back out again lots of people have done that one day in and out for a meeting you know I don't th I don't think people are going back to that and that will really help um, with with that carbon footprint I'm quite hopeful still that those pledges that all those wonderful people made in your article will will stick and it will make people think a little bit more about you know how they spend their their precious time away good <laughs> i'm pleased keep um, the faith yeah. emma keep the faith, <laughs> keep the faith. <laughs> thanks i needed to pick me up <laughs> yeah somewhat paradoxically some outlets have predicted that people will be traveling for isolation in the months ahead do you think this is a trend 
that will take off? As Emma said, you know, this people have realised how much we need nature and how we've kind of come away from it not just in terms of the global warming, but our own, the way it affects us personally as human beings. You know, I think we've all learned to appreciate it a lot more in lockdown. I certainly have, you know, we're very fortunate to live on on the edge of a park. And without that, I think I'd have gone stir crazy. I mean, I was so grateful for the park every day during lockdown. And and I think that will, you know, comes into travel as well. I mean, unfortunately, it's it's not great news for cities <laughs> at the moment. I think, you know, they're, they're kind of behind. But what everybody wants right now is kind of open spaces, big nature, big views, that kind of that real in touch with the planet. <laughs> Um, which is great. Um, but yes, going where there are not so many people. Absolutely. Yeah, I think, um, I mean, tomorrow I come from, from this industry at a slightly different angle to you. So I guess you'll have more of the, the insight into it. But, um, you know, the, I think the idea of safari and um, just being alone and totally immersed in nature um, is is something that, that people will, will thrive on, especially... I guess that the generational uh, rather than geographical sense of it in that perhaps slightly older uh, travelers or customers will have a sense of nervousness to them. So I think going somewhere that doesn't have lots of people um, just sort of brings another element of ease, I guess. It's going to be a while for us to shake off. You know, it's been so long since we've been Mm. in crowds it's going to even for someone who you know enjoys going to festivals in the summer even I'm a bit like oh really would I feel comfortable about that right now even if everyone was vaccinated you know it's going to take a while for us to shed what has become ingrained that's the bit I enjoy most about travel is the exploratory element to it you know it's the it's the researching it's the the adding the bells and whistles to the itinerary like finding the gem that no one else has found exploring the beach that's you know undiscovered that's what travel's meant to be about so i think if we can try and push people in that direction i, I not only better for for the mind i guess psychologically but also for the planet because it means that there isn't this huge condensed population of people at, at any one time yeah so talking about the environmental benefits of all of this do you think that silver lining is temporary no I don't because I think that um, hotels are having to reevaluate in order to meet the demands of customers you know and some things are, are becoming kind of housekeeping now that years ago things like plastic bottles, you know, for a lot of our hotels, then, you know, you won't see any anymore. Um, and, you know, whilst it's still going to take, it takes time to revolutionise an entire industry. And we also have to be mindful that, you know, these hoteliers, their resources have been depleted. So it may take more time, but they are all very conscious that the demand is for places that really do think about their sense of place and that they're not stripping the land or the community they're actually giving back in any way that they can Uh, and that requires investment and time and I think there's a big sort of educational piece I guess with some of the the hoteliers which is underway 
Um, but I think it perhaps also consumers need to be aware of it. You know, we represent um, safari camps in the middle of the Serengeti. And I think there's still an expectation that from some customers that they can have a bath in the middle of the Serengeti. You have to realize that that water in the middle of summer gets transported thousands and thousands of miles in order to fill up your bath. And I think hoteliers also need to confidently learn the power of no with an educational piece to it. And I think the consumer needs to, to respond to that and, and learn from that. And I think that is what we're moving into, certainly with, with a few of our hotels outside of, of Africa as well. People are becoming uh, au fait and comfortable with saying you know, no to TVs and rooms, get outside, go for a walk, have a swim in the sea. That's really interesting you talk about no, because we were speaking to some hoteliers and they were saying that the thing is that what makes luxury or what makes such a VIP experience is saying yes to everything. But it's putting the education. But I think that's changing. And mm. why we're saying no and the justification for that. And I have such a problem with the word luxury because I think it's it's synonymous with connotations of excess and grandeur and the idea that you don't need to work for it, you simply have to pay for it. And that's not what traveling is about. You know, if you want to go up to the top of Mount Kilimanjaro, you have to climb that mountain. The process, the sweat, the grit, the packed lunch, none of it's luxury. But when you're on the top of that mountain, the sun is rising, you know, it's so quiet and you're totally disconnected. I mean, that's luxury. It's, it's a different sense of luxury. Um, but for me, that's, yeah, that, I mean, that's why I've got a problem with the word, but I think we, we need to sort of have a mind shift here. I think that mind shift is, is changing and, you know, customers are demanding more of that and this is, and the hoteliers are responding. So I've seen in the last few years, hoteliers rather, you know, they are opening spas and the wellness programs and all that kind of stuff, but they're also opening eco centers that are becoming part of your stay. So part of your stay is going to the eco center to learn what the hotel is doing. And that's, that's fantastic. That's a, that's a luxury experience as it were. But Emma, you're absolutely right that the notion of, of what is luxury, it is completely different for every single person, depending on what mood or mode they're in. For a young couple on their first weekend date away in the countryside in the UK might be a, a, a pub with a roaring fireplace, some great walks and good food. Mm. And they don't need 24-hour service or a butler or a swimming pool they just you know they just need that experience and then uh, on another night you actually might be celebrating and you want to glam up and you want to push out the boat and have an amazing five-course meal so what's what is luxury luxury is all about what mood and mode you're in so I'm yeah I'm, I'm totally with you on that I think it's fantastic that that definition is being redefined and it's shifting and perhaps it's partly because of the pandemic or post? I think it had started beforehand. I hope that this gives people an extra confidence with which to approach it and to say no. But yeah, it's it's definitely moving. And actually, I think it's some of the more independent hoteliers that have the, the space and the power to do this. And I think there is a new generation of hoteliers coming through that their foundations aren't necessarily in hospitality. They, they might they're creative minds that are bringing a new, a new style and, and character to, to travel. I want to tap into uh, wellness tourism, and we briefly covered ecotourism. Do you think these are big markets that are being tapped into and growing, come, moving forward? 
yes, I think it's definitely accelerated that wellness side. Um, the demand for that is bigger than ever because it's we're, we're all about self-care now as well aren't we <laughs> since the um since the lockdown I think you know we've it's it's almost like we've been uh, you know abused being forced into this mm. mundane the rituals we're doing having to do everything in a confined space and not there's there's been no treats right it has been tough no matter who you are for those living on their own that's another kind of torture not being able to see friends or family the importance of actually spending some time just looking after yourself again and just taking time to recover from that intense period is is going to be hugely important so i think wellness is here to stay yeah, I think you know the, the site, the digital. Everyone was aware of the digital before the pandemic, but and whilst we were trying to sort of counteract it, it went totally the other way. You know, we're all constantly connected now. Um, so I think in in the sense of wellness travel, it is going to be an opportunity where people just say, okay, I absolutely have to turn off because there's this the idea of pleasure previously was that you could combine the two. But I think now that we're all totally connected the whole time, there will have to be a very you know, bold line between the both of them that separates them. I used to hate the word, the phrase digital detox, but I think it may make a comeback, just turning yeah. off. I'm not, I think that's interesting, Emma. So the, the pleasure thing, I think it will, it'll morph, won't it? So people will stay longer, but they will allocate time to be yeah, completely exactly. switched off. And then they will say, well, I'm going to stay here because this is a lovely place. And I will have a better quality of life if I work here for a week and I can go walking in these wonderful woods or down the beach at the end of the working day. I think people are learning. There are so many articles now about Zoom fatigue and mm. the the intensity of kind of looking at people's faces like this you know for, for extended periods of time and having to see your own face all the time and you know that con the concentration levels so I've been recently what really struck me because I tend to get very distracted I'm a kind of multitasker so I've got two screens so I, I'll kind of be doing other stuff not not now I promise <laughs> <laughs> usually I'm doing like several different things on the go and I've got pings and notifications and the other day I I had to take the dog for a walk when I had a call and put my phone in my back pocket and I had half an hour where I just was fully dedicated to this person and listening to every single word and it made such a difference mm. it I'm sure it made a difference to her but it definitely made a difference to me I felt so much more engaged with the conversation and so I, now I am trying to do that more and more. So I'm saying, because at the beginning of the pandemic, we all said, you've got to have your video on, right? Because that's how you get the engagement because we're not seeing each other in person. But actually now I think you need a variety. You can't just be on Zoom calls all day, every day. It's too much. Yeah, I agree with that. Do you both think there are conversations that are being missed when we're looking towards travel post-pandemic? conversations that are being missed I think the environmental conversation is and I know we've, we've touched on this quite a lot already but I don't think it was definitely more prevalent at the start of the pandemic and I think as people have become really desperate to travel again it's slightly quietened down and people are I mean as I said tomorrow you'll you'll know better than me but I, I do worry that 
we have been given an opportunity to totally reset here. Um, and I think the last few months have shown how quickly this planet can recover and can rebuild itself. And I don't want it to be a wasted opportunity. My favorite, wherever I am, I'm a sea person. I love being in the sea. I love being immersed within wildlife, diving, that kind of thing. Just in the news this week, when you see the dolphins going into the Venice Canal, I mean, it's that is just the most obvious and beautiful example of that. So I think it's making sure that the sense of urge and what people think they need doesn't take over from what the planet's needs are and how we have been given this period in time where we can potentially fix that, reset it. It's incumbent on us, Emma. It's not down to the, it can't just be down to the consumers. It's got to be the industry as well. Right. Yeah. We can't um, we can't put it all on our members, our consumers. So we have to push the hotels. You know, we this is why I loved your pledge so much. Right. Your pledge piece. Yeah. These were women who are doing personal pledges, but some of them were doing company pledges. As at Smith, we've committed to highlighting the hotels that are really making a difference, that are really shining a light on community and, and being self-sufficient and sustainable. We all have to do it. Consumers can't, you know, one by one make a difference. It has to be everybody. Yeah, and they don't have the same lens on it. You know, I think when when you're booking your trip, you book your trip because you're excited and, and you want to do this and you want to do that. But yeah, and it goes back to that educational piece. I think you know we all need to, from as you say, from every from every angle, need to to be better. Just be aware. And, there, you know, there are some hotels who are doing incredible things. There's a hotel in Brazil called Ushua Casa who have set up a non-governmental organization to lobby government to create sustainable tourism, sustainable tourism colleges, to teach people how to, you know, to, to harness the, the beauty that Brazil has, but in, in the right way. And um, the owner of Oshuacasa has actually started putting together a group of people from Brazil to go to Costa Rica who are really kind of showing us the way in terms of sustainability Mm. and tourism they really are if I had to pick one country out of the whole wide world that would be the country that is at the forefront of this very exciting so he's taking hoteliers and key people from around the world to Costa Rica to learn from them just as some of the hotels in the Maldives are showing other hotels in the Maldives how you can have these incredible places on these islands and make sure that they protect the landscape around them. We need to shine a light on those places that are doing it. Absolutely. Do you think how particular hotels or countries have dealt with COVID and all these initiatives, wonderful initiatives they're putting in place, do you think it will impact a tourist's willingness to travel there? Yes. Yes, definitely. Lots of my friends are talking about it now. It's an opportunity for countries to stand out and to show show the way and to get more tourism because of it. Yeah, I think there's also a generational thing with that as well. Some people will feel safer going to some places over others. Yeah, I think the younger generation, absolutely. I think they and they tend to have as you say, you know, the, the the conscious mind of people booking already is being seen. So, yeah, I think I think there's some exciting uh, things to come out of it as well. I would love to hear what both of your opinions are on vaccine passports. Technology will get us out of this. So this is the the kind of last thing that needs to happen to get us out of where we are. 
and we don't have a solution yet. You know, when looking at what's going to happen for the rest of this year, it's clear that the countries either that have very low COVID levels or have a great vaccination rollout program are going to be the ones A, to recover mm-hmm. first, B, to travel first and, and create bilateral agreements. Yeah, I think there obviously it's in place already in some, not specifically to COVID, but there are already vaccinations you need to travel to Africa and you have certificates and the rest of it. So but it's all paper-based and manual Exactly, now, no, you know? totally. But it's I mean, just there's queues at Heathrow at the moment. The yeah. queues coming into this country are horrendous because we don't have some, we don't have a good automated system. Yeah. Let's pretend for a brief moment that COVID is no longer an issue and you can book a flight anywhere. What country would you go to, where would you stay, and how would you spend that very magical first day? Do oh, you go first? Oh, I, you want me to go first? I was going to say, I think you've got a really good answer for this. <laughs> I'd go, I definitely want to go back to Brazil and see Ushua Casa and see what they're doing. I think they kind of, for me, they are a shining light in this. I also would love to go to Israel. And, you know, through they've been amazing in terms of their vaccination rollout. And there's lots of exciting things going on there. Um, It's also, you know, a real tech hub. So I really want to explore it as a country more. I want to go back to Italy just to (laughs) just to eat and drink and, you know, that wonderful Italian hospitality. Um, we have so many hotels in Italy and I want to go and I want to spend time with my, you know, my friends, the hoteliers around the world <laughs> and go, we got through it. <laughs> we came out really, the other side. I've actually got a trip booked to Italy, which is technically my first trip for a wedding. Uh, whether it will happen, I'm not sure. But, what month, um, Emma? July, end of July to Puglia. So I, it's touch and go. I mean, it's the impossible question because my bucket list is is pages and pages long. But there's a sense of grounding, I think, I want from my first year. It was sort of going back to what is home. And my um, my in-laws have a, a house in a little um, a little island in the Caribbean called Beckway, which is still relatively undiscovered. It's sort of it's near Mystique and you fly into to Barbados. So you, there are other islands around which are very well known. But it's very old school Caribbean, um, just that amazing vibe that you get from the people, the the seas are incredible um and as i said before just i'm happiest in in the sea so you're starting the morning with a dive and then you know potentially going out on the boat and having a fish on the way and going then there are turtles around so you just jump in the water and and you're swimming with turtles for me that's it's just the immersion in in the nature part of it i think that i'm most looking forward to so i think that's probably high on the list but there is there's certainly a long a long list of destinations well, I think that's higher on everyone's list now, the way you described it. <laughs> yeah, don't all go to Beckway. The nice part of it <laughs> is that it's relatively untouched. <laughs> I just want to have one quick question about how um, the hotels with your clients, Emma, and tomorrow the, the hotels that you work with, how are they um, creating these contactless passenger experiences? How are they promoting that? How are they engaging these these new ways of working with guests and welcoming guests? Obviously, you know, they've all had to learn new protocols and and find their way because I think some of the hotels have struggled with understanding that, you know, people's appetite for risk is slightly different. 
So some people turn up at a hotel and when the hotel says to them, you know, we, we, our protocol is to not carry your bags to your room anymore. Some people get annoyed at that going, I'm paying all this money. Could you not do that? <laughs> and some people go, of course, I would never want you to touch my baggage. So there is very, you know, it's it's a very um, difficult line to tread for a hotel who whose primary purpose is to make you feel comfortable and to create a lovely warm welcome and experience i think it's been really tough for them to to be hands off right because normally you have you walk up you shake the hands of the general manager who has a lovely smile they take your bags away you know you're you're being looked after that's hospitality that's you know it's that it's that feeling of being welcomed so they're they're finding their feet and they've spent a lot of time learning how to do this like learning how to you know keep their distance and everything um but i think in the end you know that that warmth and hospitality of a human being around you even if they have to keep their distance will still shine through um even with all the kind of new protocols that hopefully won't be around forever yeah i think the idea of human contact is so important now and not necessarily physical but um you know i relate to everything you've just said tomorrow because actually last year i did a, a road trip um around scotland and it was just you know it was when was it it was in august so it was when we the uk had sort of opened back up again and people were still finding their feet as into you know what is possible and what's not possible and the disparity i think between different hotels and what they were doing was spoke volumes because um you know we went to the five arms which which is wonderful and they they approached it in such a brilliant way that still had this human connection and it was you know yes we can't touch you or sort of shake your hand and and have that that connection but you know we went on a hike and and we absolutely fell in love with one of the chutneys that was there you know and at the end of our at the end of our stay because we'd been waxing lyrical about it there was potted beautifully um tied up chutney to take home with us and it's just i think it's those touches as well that that can make all the difference when when you've sort of been physically separated as well none of our customers ask us about covid health and safety protocols when they're booking, they assume that our hotels have got that covered. When I talk to spa hotels, they are busier than ever with massages, you know, under the different protocols, people crave that human touch. And they trust it's our hotels anyway, they trust our hotels to be making sure that they are doing everything to, you know, keep them safe. And what's a shame is that here in the UK, you know, the hotels have spent such a lot of money and such a lot of time learning all these new protocols. And then now that the vaccine's here, yeah, you know, they've got to wait. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> let's not get political. Yeah. It, it all comes back to creativity, which is what the travel industry is about. So, you know, you, you put a little creative juice in there and people figure it out. And the, the innovation comes from these kind of smaller hotels. You know, they, they will drive through innovation in all of this and make wonderful experiences, just as in kind of the sustainability angle. And then you'll get the larger organizations such as, you know, IHG have now bought into Six Senses, which is famous for its kind of sustainability ethos and that, you know, the, the power of the intercontinental group and the, the funds they have, they can now fund really amazing projects. It will come from the industry. The industry will start to innovate now in a big way. We're hugely resilient and constantly innovating. So 
will bounce back very quickly, I'm sure. Yeah. I have one final question. What, in your opinion, is the passport to experiencing travel safely post-pandemic? It has to be the vaccination, right? And, you know, well, I, I, I really can't understand these countries that have such a high level of anti-vaxxers. Um, that's got to be a, you know, communication in those countries has to change that mindset. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, I, I guess that is the only answer. I think coming at it from a, a slightly different angle as well is, is this idea of respect as well, because I think beyond just the pandemic, this year has brought much needed awareness um, across lots of different intersections of society. So I think if you are fortunate enough to travel and you, you need to take it as an opportunity to learn the language of not sort of the language, but general language and nuances of the world um and i think we all need to learn embrace respect cultures and traditions of the world um everyone has their own right in place and i think we need to use that as an opportunity for culture race environmental economical you know, i think there is all of this presents a new opportunity to to re-enter the world and i think it's just worth bearing that all in mind thank you both for your invaluable insights and future predictions of all the wonderful things with this travel industry bouncing back bigger and better. Um, where can we follow you on social media? At Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I've got my personal one. I'm happy as well. Just I post very irregularly, but it's Tamara, at Tamara Lawn. Ours is at Scott underscore ideas, um, which is where you'll see all of our client um, information. And then uh, there's a bit of personal travel on my one, which is at MSCA Harding. Thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed it, you can catch up on our past episodes where we discuss 2021 wellness as well as food and culture, available on all major platforms, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify. You can also catch all of season one there too. Don't forget to leave a review and subscribe as we release a new episode every two weeks.